autoimmune disease with Dr. Kylie Burton. This is episode 132 on Alternative Health Tools podcast, where together we discover and share new alternative health tools and resources from alternative healthcare practitioners and experts. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Alternative Health Tools. I'm your host, Kim Shea, coming to you from this side of the pond here in Southern California. It is Wednesday, March 24th, 2021. And today I get to speak to Dr. Kylie Burton. And she is a doctor of chiropractic medicine and she's certified in functional medicine as well. I'm eager to learn more about that. And her focus is on healing beyond the diagnosis and she wants to help you get hope and answers and healing through functional medicine spin on your normal labs. She's also a fellow podcaster and has a podcast called Beyond the Diagnosis with Dr. Kylie. Welcome, Dr. Kylie Burton, to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Kim. I'm excited. Let's talk autoimmune disease today. I think that sounds great. I think that sounds great. And Dr. Kylie has graciously agreed to come back again and talk to us about uh, thyroid, gut health, and depression another time. And she's just a wealth of information. I think you're going to like her. So tell me about your background. How did you get into this whole line of work in the first place? What called you to this? So I grew up in the Western medicine world and I don't have anything against it. Um, in fact, our primary care doc's incredible. But I woke, I grew up, you know, if you got sick, you took an antibiotic and you just continue along your lines. And when I got into college, I liked this concept of using food to heal. So I got my degree in nutrition and then, you know, from there, it's like, okay, do I go to med school? Do I go to become an, like, what do I do with this? It's just a one stepping stone. So I ended up getting a job with a chiropractor. I had no idea what chiropractic was before when I got this job. I had no idea what functional medicine was when I got that. Like, and at this point, you know, I'm 22 years old. I've never taken a supplement in my life. And so I get introduced to chiropractic. I get introduced to functional medicine. It was this concept of you, of figuring out the why. Why do I feel like crap when my labs are normal? Why do I have fibromyalgia? Why do I have chronic fatigue? Why do I have MS? I mean, it was all about the why. And and as I work as an assistant underneath a male doctor, you know, I'm getting all these women coming in who are talking, telling me about libido issues and menopause issues and hormone complaints and and all of these these female problems that we don't want to talk with males about. So they would tell me these things, and they, then they would say, "Shh." Don't tell the doctor. Now, well, if you told him, he could help you, but that's not my job. That's your job. So after enough of that, I just was like, you know what? I have all the prerequisites I need. Why don't I just go become the doctor? So I did. And I went into chiropractic school because it's four years of hell, not eight. So I just had to make it through four, right? But if I, and, and what I needed was a degree where I could pull labs. I needed a medical degree. And so for example, like I don't even own a chiropractic table. I am purely functional medicine and because that's what I love, that's what I do. I have this doctorate degree though that lets me do doctor things. So I'm in I'm in medical school doing my, you know, final round of of clinic. And I had this lady come in and she, you know, was so debilitated. She couldn't even we had we had to find a black blanket to cover the window because even a little teeny bit of light in the room was too much. Her she'd been living like this for you know three five years, 
MRI, CT scan, the blood work, all of it came back normal. So for me, it was like, okay, if I'm going to get different results, I can't think the same way everybody else thinks. I'll just get the same results. And so when, when you get these normal labs and they're normal this and they're normal that, and it's like, what on earth is wrong with me then? Now it's different. Now it's where, let's take those normal labs and let's condense it into the ideal lab. I ended up actually, to be honest with you, getting suspended in school because I tried oh. to understand the background of this particular patient. And once the head clinical director got a wind of what I was doing, even though they had a functional medicine master's program on campus, I wasn't allowed to use it. Don't ask me why, because it's you know the system that we are all trained in. And um, so anyways, I went through that suspension, Turn, look back at it now. I mean, I was in tears when I got suspended, but look back at it now as a blessing in disguise. And ultimately, it's led me to the point where I'm going to take medical records, ones that we already have, we've already already paid for, already given the time and the blood for, and let's get the answers we need from those labs. And that's what I specialize in. It's been a really fun journey. My, I always joke <laughs> around with patients, like when I come down to the office and I've got faxes sitting on my, on my printer, it's like, yes, this is Christmas morning for me. What am I going to find? <laughs> That's awesome. That's really great. Um, so let's, let's back up a little bit. Can you define chiropractic then? Chiropractic, what people think of with chiropractors are immediately they think, well, they crack backs and crack necks. And honestly, chiropractors are some of the best doctors in the world. And we've, instead of being trained in the pharmaceutical industry, we're trained more on the nutrition and on the underlying cause. Um, we are trained, of course, to to adjust and to adjust very well. But we look at the body more as a whole and not just individual organs or individual, like, for example, you go and you meet up with your gastroenterologist. Well, they specialize in your GI tract. Whereas with me, with a functional medicine doc and, and even chiropractic background, we're thinking, okay, yes, your GI is a system, but your body is made up of multiple systems. And all of those systems impact each other. So you can't just say it's your GI tract or it's your hormones or it's your thyroid or it's your whatever you want to call it because it's your body's one incredible machine. And when you look at it as a whole, now it's like, oh, well, heavy metals hang out in my thyroid. So maybe that's why my thyroid isn't working. Like it's a whole different way of thinking about things. And yes, there are chiropractors who just do cracking, the adjusting part. And there are other chiropractors like myself and my mentor that we don't even own chiropractic tables because we're just doing this functional medicine stuff. Our degree allows us to act like a doctor. And like both him and I have discussed, you know, if we were to go ever back and do everything over again, we would go get a DO because a DO, you still get that alternative background a little bit, more of the pharmaceuticals as well. But then, you know, DOMDs. They have more of a, they're more respected. Than, so, than being a functional medicine? No, just being a chiropractor. chiropractic. Okay, I see. Yeah. yeah. So like when people ask me, what do I do? Well, I'm a functional medicine doctor. Well, what's that? I help people who get tossed from doctor to doctor to doctor to specialist to specialist, get answers, healing, and hope. Oh, well, that's so-and-so, or that's me, or, you know, somebody always knows somebody who's been tossed from doctor to doctor and they still feel like crap. So it's my, it's a much different approach than just saying I'm a chiropractor because that th- that thought is immediately crack backs, crack necks. Yeah, and give supplements. Okay, all right, that's cool. And then a DO is it is a doctor of is it 
Osti. I can't remember. I can't remember it either. But it's okay. barely the only difference in their training from a DO and an MD is a little bit more of a natural. They're more introduced to natural areas rather than just strictly pharmaceutical. Getting okay. some more of the nutrition, more of the supplements, more of the that kind of thing. I see. Okay. All right. I have worked with one in the past when I had the same type of situation where nobody could figure out what was wrong with me. So, yeah. But it sounds like you've been able to make it work. Yeah. With the degrees that you have. So yeah, and it's, that, it's yeah, really good. That's I'm, great. I have this knack for looking at numbers. Like even I see. during school, that my classmates were always like, you know, I'm going to phone a friend, Kylie. What's the answer? They yell across the room. <laughs> so it's just been a, it's been my knack, and I've figured out how to to really fine tune it. So where now I teach doctors how to do this every week. I get on my Facebook live group and we teach doctors how to read labs. So that way, not only are are they not getting the answers that they're searching for, because we all go into this wanting to help people. That's why we do it. And it's just a matter of what's been placed inside of our toolkit. And for me, my toolkit has been really expanded, especially with the functional medicine training. And then my mentor, of course, but but I never want to harp on like regular doctors. They literally are just doing whatever they have inside their toolkit. And some are more limited than others. And it's all about, you know, we they get out of medical school and their medical school is supposed to teach them how to help people. And right now it's it's teaching them basically that if you have symptoms that fall underneath an umbrella, that umbrella can then be a diagnosis. And now once we have a diagnosis, now I know what to give you to manage your symptoms for the rest of your life, right? So say someone gets rheumatoid arthritis, they get diagnosed with it finally after, you know, years of joint pain that's not, hasn't been a positive ANA test yet. And they go through all these years of workup, follow up, finally the test is positive, finally the rheumatoid arthritis diagnosis gets hit and then they get said, and they're told, oh, you got to take Humira for the rest of your life now. Humira is an injection, a one time a week thing. So if you're 25 and you're thinking, I'm only 25 years old, I'm not doing this for the rest of my life, I had one of my patients say, or you're 55 years old. Like it's totally up to you, but that's that's the toolkit that they have inside their bag. Whereas mine is, you know, an autoimmune disease, it's an immune system problem. So what's happening with the immune system? How do we stop it from attacking? And then once we can figure that out, now it's like, I don't care what your disease is or your diagnosis is. Let's put whatever you're feeling now in your history. Let's put autoimmune disease in remission. And now you can go about and enjoy life, not just survive it. Wow. That's really amazing. So uh, so can you name some other autoimmune diseases that some people might have? Like there's arthritis, as you mentioned, but what else would be some examples? Um, we can easily think of MS, multiple sclerosis, Parkinson's, Sjogren's syndrome, psoriasis, uh, vitiligo. I mean, even the more we learn about things like endometriosis, really? I believe in about five, 10 years, that will be on the autoimmune diagnosis mm-hmm. list, the more we learn about it. So it literally is, my immune system's been under duress, it's attacking. And now my genes, whatever, like in my family, it's Parkinson's. So as soon as my immune system hits that point, my genes then tell it to go attack my nervous system, resulting in Parkinson's. Um, so that's that's where we get all of these diagnoses from. But then if you have that diagnosis or you don't, even you can flow along this autoimmune parallel. And a lot of people experience this where they have these flares, right? 
So sometimes they feel like sometimes they feel great, sometimes they feel like crap. And it's just, you know, I have good days, I have bad days. And nobody can tell me why I have these bad days. For me, that's an autoimmune component that we can get dive into the labs and figure it all out. But so the list is like 80 to 100 long. It's growing every day. And same with diagnosis lists in general. People are producing and portraying so many more symptoms that we're now having to create new diagnosis is for because we don't have one already. So the ICD-10 code, which is the insurance uh, diagnosis code that you can get reimbursed for, that list has already grown from ICD-9. Now they're working on ICD-11, which is even longer because of all of these chaotic things that we just don't have names for yet. And And I, the reason why my podcast is called Beyond the Diagnosis is because one, I don't care what your diagnosis is. I don't even care if you don't have one. Because if we think about it, the term rheumatoid arthritis tells me that your body is attacking your joints. It doesn't tell me anything about the why. It just tells me how are your symptoms being portrayed. My job is to find the why. Once we can find that why, which I'm pretty good at, (laughs) we eliminate that. And then it's like, whoa, I didn't know I didn't, I didn't need to just manage this joint pain forever. That's amazing. MS ones are always fun because, you know, I, I got an MS mom like this last couple of months and she said that summer times are horrible for her because of the heat. She can't go above 72 degrees. Here she is. She's got four kids, four teenagers, and she literally can't be a mom. I mean, what teenager wants to stay inside and hang out with their mom all day long during the summer? Nobody. So we figured out what her instigator of her MS was, and, and we'll get into how we do that and how you guys can do, you listeners can do that in a bit here. But we got rid of the initial trigger. And she it's funny because they're always on, you know, MS specifically, is they're always on some trial injection, right? We're just, we're just trying this to see, to see what your MRI is doing in the, in the future. So I said, well, it's totally up to you. You need to figure out how to get off of this injection if you would like to. And by doing that, you need to call and talk to whoever, you know, your, your primary care doctor who's giving it to you and figure out what, what you need to do to get off of that. So she calls him up and she says, I want to get off this injection. How do I do it? And he said, oh, well, it's a trial injection. We don't really know. So you can just not come in for your next one. Okay. If it's that simple, I'm not coming in anymore. So she doesn't go in for her next um, injection. And she emails me like a, a week or so later. And she's like, okay, every time I go in for that injection, I am bedridden for three days afterwards. Now I don't, I didn't get it this last time. I've never felt this good in like 20 years and we're only a month in. And I said, yeah, that's how this stuff works. And for her, it was a big in, um, infection component. Her body had been fighting this low grade infection until finally it was just like, you know what? I'm done. I'm just going to start fighting your nervous system too. So there's some cool stuff. So if you have an autoimmune disease, don't think that you just have to manage this for the rest of your life. If you're willing to do the work and to find the answers, you can enjoy life, not just survive it. That's amazing. That's got to be giving so many people so much hope. Just even hear that, that there is a way. And I know it is daunting when you look at when you first are prescribed something and you have a lot of medication and they tell you you're going to have to take this forever. There's something about it with people where it's just so upsetting to look at that and realize I have to take this forever. It's really disappointing when that happens. Yes. And I think it's happening more so in, 
in like my generation and my parents' generation where we're seeing our grandparents, you know, as they're sitting, hitting 70, 80, and they're getting to that point where it's Alzheimer's and they're literally like breaking apart. And we're thinking, we don't, yeah, we're going to get old. It's inevitable, but I don't want to live like that. What can I do now to prevent that in the future? And so we're getting a lot more of these, of my generation and even my parents. How, I don't want to ask you how old you were on air, but. That's okay. I'm 55. It's all right. <laughs> yeah, there you go. See, my, my parents are that age too. So your age as well. Um, we're taking, we're being more proactive as we see what our grandparents are and what your parents are, are experiencing. And we're trying out new things because being told that we have to take this for the rest of our life isn't cutting it anymore. Yeah. Um, I do want to back up. I do want to go forward with what we're talking about, but I wanted to back up for a second. You were saying that they're, they're starting to see more diagnoses and that the diagnoses codes are growing and growing and growing. And and why is that? Are we just getting more specific or are more things happening with so people? When you, when you think about how a diagnosis is created, I like to explain it as there's a certain set of symptoms and that set of symptoms follows underneath the diagnosis umbrella. So for example, fibromyalgia is usually pain, insomnia, and fatigue. That's usually the big three culprits. And then you're like, oh, well, you get diagnosed with fibromyalgia, you take Lyrica for the rest of your life as a hope to try to feel better. When in reality, you have all these gut symptoms going on too. You just got bypassed. So we have, that's how a diagnosis is created, even if in the doctor's office, whether he's given it to you or whether they're creating it on the, on the chart for reimbursement purposes. So what's happening is that so many people are getting these symptoms that don't fit underneath a current diagnosis. These patterns that go far beyond what is currently understood as a diagnosis code um, like, for example, an autoimmune diagnosis, you don't get that until you have this ANA marker positive. And then they'll try to figure out what antibodies are being exactly created, and that determines what type of autoimmune it is. But until you get to that positive test, you just have this autoimmune component. And it's like there's more diagnoses needing to be created because there's more symptoms in different varieties of sets appearing in individuals. Does that okay. make sense? Yeah, it does. All right. And then you you mentioned fibromyalgia. I mean, there was a time when that was considered not actually a condition that was recognized by the medical community. And, and so is it now something that is considered an actual autoimmune condition that is respected and, and recognized as such? I opened up a can of worms when I used fibromyalgia as an example. Did you? Okay. <laughs> but let's, let's go here because fibromyalgia is a diagnosis. There is a diagnosis code for fibro that insurances will reimburse. Lyrica is the go-to medication for fibro. Okay. Now, along with the lines of fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome, for me personally, fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue syndrome and other diagnoses like that are pure cop-outs. Oh, okay. Fibromyalgia, think about it, is your body has a lot of stuff going on. I don't know what it is. We're going to call it fibromyalgia and give you this and hope it works. And, and think about this. Chronic fatigue syndrome, you get this diagnosis and you're like, I got chronic fatigue. I already knew that. So what? There's nothing they can do about it as far as they know because it's just a diagnosis. It's just something that says, oh yeah, you have this. Well, why? Does it, does it say anything about the why? No. And, and another okay. one is like infertility 
in regards to infertility, um, there are, there's always these unknown causes of, as a, of infertility, right? Well, the infertility is there's a specific goal. That goal is one, to get pregnant, two, to have a baby. And unless you reach that goal, it's just infertility. Whereas there's no specific goal with fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue syndrome. They're just diagnoses. But yet, even the infertility, like, why? If you can figure out the why and eliminate it, you don't have to worry about $15,000 IVF treatment or and, and hope that things go well. Or even fibromyalgia, you don't have to hope that one that tonight you're going to get more sleep than you did last night and be in less pain than you did today. Like there are underlying reasons to all of this, no matter what the diagnosis is. Some are just better than others. Why don't you tell me where you want to go with this? Because uh, you do talk, you have three steps to stopping autoimmune disease and it's tracks. And so what? where would you like to take this? What would you like to tell us? Okay. Yeah. So when it comes to autoimmune disease, we have to think about the mechanism behind them all. The immune system, it's under duress. It's fighting, right? It's fighting something. And, and think about it as a cup. You've got your cup, you're pouring, pouring water in it. You know, um, you're born into this crazy environment and world. Your cup starts filling up. And then we just start getting some vaccines and our cup keeps filling up. And then we've got, you know, 15-year-old hormones go crazy. Our cup fills up. Then we've got motherhood attacking, you know, three. Now we've got three babies. And I felt fine until my third baby. Well, that third baby was when our cup spilled over. It overflowed. So that's like saying is my immune system can handle so much, but when it's handled too much for too long, it's going to just throw its hands up in the air and start attacking. Wherever it attacks, that's what gene, our genes tell it to do. So we have to think about what's triggering this immune system. So step number one in kicking autoimmune disease to the curb, step number one is identifying triggers. These triggers can be anything from food, so food sensitivities. They can be anything from stress, metals, mold, metabolic instances like pregnancy. But the big, big, big factor I see with 99% of autoimmune patients is this trigger of an infection. It's a low-grade hidden infection that our body's just constantly fighting. And then when it's done, it's done. Now, there's an easy way to determine if your body has this infection, if you're dealing with chronic fatigue, if you're, you know, I'm just going crazy, nobody knows what's wrong with me. Or if you do have a diagnosis of an autoimmune disease, you can figure out based off of the blood work that you already have, it's called a CBC with differential. That CBC is the number one standard blood test that all doctors take. That top marker there, the very first marker you're going to find on your CBC is called a white blood cell count. WBC. Now we want our labs to be normal because then when they're not normal, now we've got a disease. Okay. So we're going to take that normal lab range and we're going to condense it and say, okay, but now we fall outside of this lab range. Now we just don't feel good, but we're not sick enough to have a disease. So that white blood cell count, we're going to condense the lab range and we're going to say, okay, ideally, if you are less than five or greater than eight, we're dealing with some type of low-grade hidden infection. So once again, white blood cell count, less than five, greater than eight infection. 
like and ninety five percent or more of autoimmune diseases are be are triggered with this infection. Now, what type of infection is it? We got to get into the into the labs a little bit more, and it gets a little bit dicey. So I'll try to keep it as simple as possible. But just know that if your labs don't follow these markers, like you're not crazy. We're just going to keep it very simple here. So. The white blood cell count, if it's, like I said, less than five greater than eight infection. What type of infection is it? Jump down to a couple more markers below that, and you're going to see this marker called neutrophils. Neutrophils, their job is to fight bacteria, okay? So if they are above 60%, make sure it's the percentage, not the absolute value. So if they're above 60%, we're fighting a bacterial infection. Then the next marker, the next marker is lymphocytes. Lymphocytes are responsible for fighting viruses. If they are above 30%, we're dealing with a virus. But this isn't something that you can just go run to your doctor and say, hey doc, I got an infection, like here it is, look at the numbers, because they're not trained to look at the numbers like this, unless you're being trained by me and other people who do it like this. But So know that this is a low-grade hidden infection that your body is fighting all the time. Now, when it's autoimmune, that neutrophil should be 60%. The lymphocyte should be 30%. That's what we want. So 60-30 is a two-to-one ratio. But what if, say, our neutrophils are 43.7, our lymphocytes are 41.9? What if we're looking at more of a one-to-one ratio where the numbers are close? That's when I see an autoimmune flare. Okay. So literally, based off of that lab that you everybody has, you can determine if an infection was a trigger, a big trigger to my autoimmune disease, and it usually is. And then based off of, yes, what type is it? Now I know how I, I can remove it. And the, the example of this mom we used earlier, I first the first thing I did was I removed the viral infection and I removed the bacterial infection. A lot of the times they go hand in hand. And a month two months, three months later, or I think we're like at four or five months now in her process. But um, she's like, I, I didn't even, literally, I didn't even know it was possible to feel like this. Wow. And it's so powerful. And and it's right there in the labs. It's just, we're not trained to look at it like that. That's unbelievable. Yeah. So that's one possibility of a trigger, right? So then we can look at mold and don't just say, well, I live in the desert. I mean, I live in the desert and I'm in Utah. Don't just rule mold out. Uh, mold is a very common factor, especially if you're in a four-season environment or if you're like where I used to live and when I went to school in Portland, Oregon, it's literally like 90% raining all 90% of the year. And I had mold growing on my car. So don't just rule it out. Mold will be a trigger. And like, for example, we cut down our trees in our backyard last summer. Every single tree was infested with mold. And my husband's a roofer. And a lot of times, you know, they take, they, they're doing re-roofs on the house. They take the sheeting off. It's covered in black mold. So check your environment too. Don't just say it's something's wrong in my body. It could easily be in your body, but it can easily be in your environment as well, especially if you live in an older home. So cool stuff, right? Yes. Jeez. So much information. Thank you. Yeah. And, I, and a couple of clinical pearls here. If we're thinking Hashimoto's, which is the thyroid, when, you're, when your immune system attacks your thyroid, the most common trigger for Hashimoto's 
is Epstein-Barr virus. Then, in addition, like type 1 diabetes, research says that the most common trigger of type 1 diabetes is a virus that attacks your pancreas. So these infections are kind of all over. And uh, what I found in the research is, is over 90% of us have viruses in us, like Epstein-Barr virus. It's just a matter of, is it active? And if so, how active is it? Because to, to get a positive Epstein-Barr virus test, like you literally can't even walk up the stairs. That's how exhausted you have to be to get that test positive. But it, oh, can, really? easily okay. be, mm-hmm. it can easily be like a low grade, low activity level where it's just like, oh, I've got to have a nap to get my to survive the day before my kids come home from school. Like that could be where most people sit. And that's why we're talking about this low grade hidden stuff. Like it's not active enough to go get, you know, a positive H. pylori, C. diff, E. coli, Campylobacter, like all those bacterial infections. But it's just enough to say, you know what, my des- my digestive system and my bowel movements, they're just not consistent. They're not daily. Sometimes I have one every three days. Sometimes I have them three times a day. It's just, it's it's irregular, but it's not, I- so it's not ideal. Just not bad enough to get the positive test. Okay. So that's that's very interesting. So some, in some cases, what you're saying is it would have to be so severe to even register on the typical lab test that's going to catch the attention of the average trained doctor. They're just, it's it's not going to be that way for most people. So it's not going to show up in their lab. So they're not going to get diagnosed and treated. Is that what you're Correct. saying? Correct. Okay. Got it. Yeah. yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Lyme, Lyme disease kind of gets into that factor too. Like it's going to be so bad that the, the test catches it. Okay. Otherwise it won't catch it. Huh. So that's step number one. Identify the triggers. That's the big one. There's not, there's possibly not just one. Um, could be multiple triggers, but the big one's the infection there. And then step number two, once we remove the triggers, we need to literally calm the immune system down. And there's three things that I recommend to do that. The first one is vitamin D. Vitamin D is hugely powerful, specifically with autoimmune diseases, but it's also great for anxiety and depression too. So I read, I came across a research and I was looking into it because this doctor was using uh, psoriasis, vitiligo, and MS. Those were his three categories for his patients within this research. And he said, I want to see what vitamin D can do specifically on these three cases. Now there were multiple patients, but those were the three categories. So what he did was he took those people in an autoimmune disease state And he gave them really high doses of vitamin D for several months at a time. And then he said, okay, in three months, what do they feel like? In six months, how do they feel? So the dosage he gave them was 35,000 IUs of vitamin D per day. Most people take like 2,000, maybe 5,000 IUs per day. The prescription dosage is 50,000 IUs per week. Oh boy. Okay. Okay. So this is a big difference. 35,000 IUs per day. Three months, most of the patients in the in the research had all of their symptoms in remission. Their skin oh. had cleared up. They were no more experiencing MS flares and vitiligo was about gone as well. Jeez. That's how powerful just this one vitamin can be because it literally calms down the immune system. Hmm. So what I recommend, not quite that high of dosage, but what I recommend is a three-month process. And if you follow it, you're going to feel, you'll, you'll feel better in different ways for, for different people. But 
the first month, 25,000 IUs per day for a month, and then back down to 20,000, and then back down to 15,000, and then you can maintain more at a 10,000 dosage. But that vitamin D literally calms down the Treg cells of our immune system. So it's a big, big, big factor of autoimmunity. autoimmunity. Another piece that you can take are these things called essential fatty acids, omega-3s, omega-6s. So if you like your fish, eat up. Um, another great way to get these is supplements, of course. So whatever, like your krill oils, your all your anti-inflammatory oils with um, omega-3s and 6s, those will also lower the Treg cells and calm the immune system down. Okay. And then the third one, easy enough, Probiotics. Mm. Probiotics help to calm the immune system down as well. Mm. Okay. Okay, so that's step two. We removed the triggers or we figured them out and then we removed them. Step number two is to calm the immune system down. And then the third step, our immune system is our gut. So we got to rebuild it. And, and I say that very particularly, like reboot, rebuild the gut. Because so many people focus on the gut, you know, gut health this, gut health that, microbiome this, probiotic this, probiotic that, prebiotic. We hear gut all the time. Now, your gut is like your fingerprint. It's unique to you. There's, It's so unique. We have different types of bacteria. We have different um, amounts of those bacteria. And not just bacteria. I mean, there's fungal components and virus components and parasitic components all hanging out in our gut. So it's not just a probiotic, prebiotic, uh, microbiome type thing. So our gut, make it unique, make it personal. Don't just take things to take things. So when it comes to your gut, I like to say there's a three-step rehab program I have for guts too, for our gut, I should say. So the first step is figure out what it is that we need to destroy. And that goes back to the infection. Do we, need, do we need to destroy some bad bacteria? Do we need to destroy some parasites? Do we need to destroy some fungal components? Usually it's multiple. What is, what is it that we need to destroy? And then number two, heal leaky gut. And people will always say, well, I have leaky gut, so I have this. Well, you, I mean, we live in the 21st century. It's our environment that plays a role. And we all have leaky gut. It's just a matter of how bad and how active really? is it. Huh, okay. Right? So we're looking at leaky gut as being our, our cells along our lining of our, of our small and large intestine. Those cells need to be tight, compact. And surprisingly, it's only one cell thick. So your entire small and large intestine is literally bordered by one cell, and then it gets into your bloodstream. That's amazing. So it wouldn't take much for there to be a leak if there was a problem in a certain area. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I'm talking these leaks, like there's just small gaps, small gaps enough for my mo micromolecules to get in. So it's not like there's big, these big gaps in you, know, unless it's like diverticulitis or ulcerated colitis or something that's really, really major inside the gut. Um, but this leaky gut is a big factor because what happens is when, when things get inside our GI tract, they should be absorbed and then just eliminated. Instead, some things get absorbed and then they break free into our bloodstream, which triggers our immune system to say, hey, this shouldn't be here. Come get it. So our immune system is now just constantly fighting all the stuff that's popping into our bloodstream from our gut. So what we do is we take, we remove some of the food triggers that are big culprits for the leaky gut. Then we combine them with some powerful supplements that help get those cells back connected together. So that's step number two. And then step number three, once we re remove all the bad guys, 
heal leaky gut, we got to get the good stuff back in. So that's how I would do gut rehab as my third step of haltering autoimmune disease because your immune system is found inside your gut. This is amazing. And so it sounds so in. simple too. Like, <laughs> oh, okay. So what you do is you figure out what it is and then you just take stuff and rebuild it and you get better. But I'm guessing there's a little bit of work and dedication on the part of somebody because I'm guessing there's some diet changes here or or what what does the patient have to do? No, ultimately it's a it's usually for me a 12-month process with people when they're doing supplements and and everybody focuses on this food and how food sensitivities are such a culprit. And when I got started, I thought I'm going to have to help people with all these elimination diets before we can even get going. What I've discovered is that by the time people get to me, they're not eating anything because they're so scared of the gluten, the dairy, the sugar, the soy, the Uh, peanut butter, the eggs, the, I mean, all of these food sensitivities we're all told about. And then we go get these food sensitivity tests. And now it's like broccoli and cauliflower and carrots and spinach and all these vegetables from our garden that we've spent all summer working on. Now we can't even eat those because our food cult, like it's, it's getting so insane now that I really just want people to understand that yes, cut out the food culprits for a short time. And I don't know about you, but I like food. Yeah, and I think food <laughs> should be enjoyed. Yes, it is. That's what it's here for. Yeah. Yeah. And we've come up with such this negative concept around food in general. Like we're always thinking that we need to eat less so we can lose weight and not or not gain it. Um, we're always thinking, you know, I shouldn't be eating the gluten because everything says it's gluten-free now, which means it's better for me if it's gluten-free. It's just the idea of eliminating di- eliminating the food culprits great, do it. That's a great place to start, but it's not a great place to end. And then you don't have that much to choose from. Right. And if you can reboot that gut and then you start eating the sugar and you start eating the gluten again, it's not like they're huge culprits. Okay. This all feels so good. Yeah. (laughs) It just feels like there's answers. It's wonderful. Yeah, there are. you're, You're such a good teacher. So thank you. I'm making a very complex thing and making it very specific and simple. Um, So just know whether you have an autoimmune disease or you don't, there is a way to put it into remission and to say, okay, I'm going to love living my life, not just survive it. That's great. So what do people do? They go to your website, um, which we have as Dr. Kylie, and there's no period after doctor. It's drkylieburton.com. And we will have the links for that in the show note for you. So they would contact you there. To start yeah, this can, process for themselves? They can jump on a free phone consult with me. I always want to make sure that I can help someone before they actually pay me money, right? Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> so nice the, of you. the free phone consult is, hey, let me get to know you a little bit about your story. And then we'll go from there to see what it is that I can and, and how it is that I can help you. Um, and I always pull medical records. But the the best place to really just learn more and learn more about functional medicine and the power that your labs have um, would be my podcast that beyond the diagnosis. Okay, to try and understand, and uh, yeah. also just to get to know you, and you can see that you're very knowledgeable and and what you have to offer in terms of it doesn't sound like it's really that complicated. I mean, it probably is on your end because you're the one who has to figure it out. But in terms of, it just sounds like well, you just have to do this, and then you've got this infection, and we'll take care of that, and then we're going to calm your immune system down, rebuild your gut, and you're going to have a new body. And a new chance at life. Yeah, the steps are the steps are simple, but it's 
finding the details within each individual. Okay. And that's what you do. You break it down with the labs and try and figure out where something is a problem. Okay. Yep. So just the labs that they already have. I mean, there are functional medicine labs out there. You can spend thousands of dollars on them and they're great labs. Like, you know, people may ask about a GI lab or a GI map is what it's called or a gut comprehensive panel. Um, There's all sorts of these microbiome lab tests out there. Like even if you scroll through my Facebook feed and I'm finding so-and-so is going to offer this magical probiotic that will fix all your digestive issues. The next ad is, hey, we got the lab test you need to fix all your gut stuff and it's going to identify your bacterials uh, balances. And then the next lab test is, hey, we can test your 96 food sensitivity. And I'm not, I'm not lying. 96 items of food sensitivities. And I just I have to rein, rein myself back in from commenting on all of it. <laughs> but uh, they're out there. And you can spend a hundred and two hundred and a hundred dollars here and two hundred dollars there and a hair sample for heavy metals. Like all of it's out there. But the bottom line is is when you can get your blood work done from your doctor that insurance is paying for and then have somebody like myself look at it, it's like, whoa, I didn't know you could get all that information even though my labs are normal, right? That is amazing. And I know for my own, I had a situation many years ago and I every time I went to a new doctor because nobody had the answers and it was always, well, let's run this, let's run this lab panel here and see what's going on. I already had them done. Uh, you know, and they're a month old. No, no, we're going to start fresh. Okay, so uh, <laughs> everything's really, changed a month later. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It just, I just think they wanted to have it be their own, and I get that. But um, it's just really interesting how you're able to take the labs and start working with them. And and a lot of times with the ranges, I know you have something, and and you look at it, and you think, well, but it's kind of low or it's kind of high within or, this yeah, range, it's on that borderline. Yeah, and the doctor says, no, it's normal. There's nothing we can do here for you. So. It'd be interesting to talk to you and find out exactly, well, what does this all really mean? And what are you seeing? It's, it's fascinating. Yeah. And I had an example. I'll just use her real quickly. She, I mean, she's 31 years old, has two little kids and woke up one morning in October, this past October, and couldn't move her shoulder. So everyone's like, well, you have frozen shoulder symptoms. So she's going to the chiropractor, getting it adjusted, having a massage on it. Um, her primary care docs giving her cortisone injections. And it's all focusing right here on the shoulder because, you know, that's where the pain's coming from. And I have this theory called stop chasing symptoms. Because when you chase symptoms, one, you're taking a million supplements, whatever Google MD told you to take for XYZ. And then it just keeps getting longer and longer and longer. Next thing you know, you've got $2,000 of supplements sitting on your shelf that you don't even remember what you're taking for. So she... Um, had this shoulder issue and none of the physical therapy was working. None of the things she was doing specifically to her shoulder was working. So I said, okay, well, let's pull your labs. Let's see what they say. So I pulled her labs and and uh, her white blood cell count was 18 point something. Whoa, that's to me really high. Now it's not like cancer high, but it's high enough to say, okay, we've, we've got an infection here that's a pretty good infection. And I said, what did your doctor say about this? Oh, well, he just said it had nothing to do with my shoulder and, and kind of tossed it off to the side. I said, well, is the manual therapy, is all the physical treatment to your shoulder working? No, it's not doing anything. Okay, well, what if we say now that you've got shoulder pain specifically, but now your pains are starting to incorporate into all of your joints. Let's look at more of a systematic problem and see if there's something causing a system 
to just target pain in your joints. And sure enough, I looked down at her, her neutrophils and they were like at 88%, which is really high. So I'm like, you've got a bacterial infection. Well, I tested negative for E. coli and Campylobacter and C. diff and, and all those things. I'm like, well, that's good because if you didn't, I mean, if you had a positive test, you were literally living in the bathroom because the diarrhea is so bad. But to her, it was, you know, I have bowel movements three or four times a day, which are which was just standard for her. She, she didn't know any different. One time a day, ladies and gentlemen, was one time a day bowel movements ideal, maybe two. But uh, for her, we eliminated the bacterial infection and now her shoulders are fine and her joints pain's gone. But it all came down to what did the lab say, even though, oh, it got tossed to the side because it has nothing to do with the shoulder. Does it? And sure enough, it did. So these labs, guys, they're they're precious. They're gold. You're a hero. I'm you're a not, hero. I'm, no, you I'm are. You are. You're fighting. You're fighting to help people. And I'm just really impressed. And you're just lovely. And I really appreciate your time today, too. I know we have a bit of a crunch today. But um, is there anything else you'd like to say? I just want to make sure we get people to your website. And that way they can start following you and get more information because you sounds like you can really help a lot of people. And I'm already thinking of people right now that <laughs> I've got to specifically call them up and say, man, you, you have to listen to this. So yeah, just go check out the podcast. Um, I'm, I'm the most active on Facebook. So if you look up Dr. Kylie Burton, that's okay. what I found on Facebook. I'm a redhead. I mean, I'm, I'm around. And then I have a membership site, which is by far the easiest to get access to a whole lot more. You okay. can find that on the website. But that way, I've I've found a way to help more people and make it more financially friendly. Because okay. if you've ever looked into functional medicine, it can be tens of thousands of bucks. So it, it doesn't need to cost, it can cost $50,000, it can, um, but it doesn't need to. And I figured out a way to make it so it's more friendly, worldwide approach, and uh, share away. Let people know that there's hope. That's wonderful. That's, that's a gift right there. So. For those of you who've been listening today, you've been listening to Dr. Kylie Burton, and um, she's got her website is, again, drkylieburton.com. There is no period between doctor and Kylie. It's all one long word, drkylieburton.com. And you can go there and you can find her on Facebook. And she has her podcast called Beyond the Diagnosis with Dr. Kylie. And she can give you hope, it sounds like, for just about anything that ails you. So it's worth it. It's worth it to check it out and see what you can learn from her. You can catch this podcast anywhere you get your podcast and consider coming by alternativehealthtools.com. There's a little blue circle down in the corner. It has a mic in it and you can leave us an audio message. Just click on that and uh, ask us a question, give us some feedback or just say hi. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And Dr. Kylie Burton, thank you for being here today. Thanks for having me, Kim. Produced by Heard Not Seen Media, visit imaginepodcasting.com for more information.